Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. And Patrick, it's not just a Devo with Patrick and Jamie anymore. Things have changed. We've added a new member. Oh, yeah. That's right. Patrick, why don't you introduce our new member? We have Morgan joining us on the Devo. Super excited about that. Morgan is the new assistant director to high school ministry at our church, Solana Beach Presbyterian Church. So for those of you who listen, you're going to start hearing a new voice that you should become very familiar with because Morgan is awesome. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm Morgan. I live in San Diego, obviously. Um, I went to school at Whitworth University up in Spokane, Washington. And yeah, I'm super excited to be the new high school director and to get to know all of you and to just learn more about God with all of you. If you want to reach out to Morgan, just send an email to the email address down in the show notes and you'll be able to say hello. But today we're going to dive into some scripture as we always do our Sunday morning series that we're working on this summer. We're going through the Psalms and not in any particular order. We're kind of jumping around here and there, Psalm here, Psalm there. But today we're going to dive into Psalm 33 and it's a a little bit longer. Yeah. 33. It's a little bit longer than the Psalms we've been looking at, but that's okay. We're going to read all 22 verses. We're going to get through it all. And we're going to have a really great time checking it out. So who's going to read today? You know what, Morgan, it's your first time on the, sh- on the Devo. Why don't you be the one to do the reading? Perfect. I can do that. Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. The word of the Lord, Patrick. Thanks be to God and what a word it is. Psalm 33. I know. 
Man, you know, I, I don't know if you people uh, who listen to this necessarily know how we do these typically. Usually someone shouts out the verse we're going to do, and we just dig right into it. We don't read, we don't like read it ahead of time. We don't uh, do Bible studies on it before we jump into this. And so when we're reading it with you, uh, it's for us, it's like the first time we've read it. Maybe not ever, because we've read some Bible verses before, but... Uh, it's the first time we do this together. And so reading this today is, it's exciting. It's new. It's fresh. So did you say we shout it out? Someone shouts it out and then. <laughs> yeah. Someone shouts it out. They're like, Psalm 33, like that really loud. They just yell really loud. I think I yeah. peeked up my microphone. Uh, sorry. <laughs> my um, neighbors were really confused about why I was yelling so loud. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's wow. right. I think I'm just getting caught up in uh, all of the uh, exuberance of this psalm, um, especially at the beginning, right? We get this uh, threefold in the first three verses. We get this command kind of three different ways for praising God. Yeah. Verse one, sing joyfully to the Lord. Verse two, praise the Lord with the harp. And then verse three, sing to him a new song. Three different ways to praise and rejoice the Lord, to the Lord. Yeah, I love those verses, especially, you all don't know this, but I spent a lot of the last couple of years leading worship, and that's something that I really love to do. And so um, I have used these verses before with different worship teammates, and um, sometimes people are like, well, why do we practice our worship before we do it? Or why do we like choose songs a certain way or sing this song and I think these verses are a great example of like play skillfully and shout for joy, like bring God your best, bring God um, the first of what you have. And um, yes, that was just, that's always an encouragement to me as I'm leading worship or participating in worship of just singing joyfully and not just sitting there kind of mumbling the words, but doing it with your whole being. And now I have a question since you said you've led some worship. Mm -hmm. Have you ever led worship playing a 10 stringed lyre? I really wish I could say that I have. No, (laughs) I don't even know what that looks like. (laughs) I imagine some sort of harp. I don't know. Yeah, that does sound a little, uh, a little different. One thing I want to point out here too is, is you have these three verses, sing, praise, sing. The actual original language, all those three commands are different words. So they just, they just translate to sing. So the first one could be like rejoice. Uh, the second one, the praise could be um, praise or confess. And then the third one can be more of an actual like making music, like the singing part. And then in verses four and five, it kind of talks about what that music kind of does for the word of the Lord is right and true. His, he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteous and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. That's kind of like what we're singing for. Like, yeah. you know, to fill the earth with his unfailing love to kind of proclaim that. And that's where the shouting comes in. I think, you know, <laughs> you can really shout it across the whole earth. And I think that's important. Yeah. And that goes into the next couple of verses. And something that I've learned in the last couple of years is just how cosmic our understanding of God needs to be. I think a lot of times we think about Jesus and me, like Jesus and me have this relationship or like, it's just my church and Jesus, but it's really is like 
you and the whole earth are creating music and worshiping God together. Um, and so the next verses of, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. This is verse six. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. And I think that that just gives such a cool vision of what Jesus came to earth for and came and died and, res- and was risen for. Um, it wasn't just so that we could go to heaven or just so that we could have this personal relationship with him. It was really for the whole earth and for all of creation to then be able to enter into worship. Yeah. And how, how amazing, I mean, honestly, this entire, uh, Psalm, the, the one that I love, the verse I love the most, at least the image I love the most is in verse seven of God gathering waters of the sea into jars. Um, you know, when we first, and we've said this in this Devo before, kind of the imagery of, um, the sea is this untamable, uh, chaotic thing that is to be feared and respected. And so we have the idea of God being able to be in control or to be over, especially the spirit, to be over the sea uh, and in charge of it. But to me, it's this crazy idea of God storing up water. And when I think of that and you look about storehouses like in heaven, you think of a cloud, right? And we recently drove across the country. And as we were driving across the country, we were in um, Nebraska and we were looking out at a storm coming our way and you could see the water like in the clouds. It was just dark and full and kind of a little terrifying. You're like, that is a lot of water. And then as we got closer, um, you could see that there was so much rain that was coming down. And then all of a sudden, all this rain just dumped down us like, on us like crazy amounts of rain. Now, to think how powerful God is, that God is the one who can, like, orchestrate this whole thing. And not only does that water that comes down, um, not only is it a sign of power, it's also a sign of God nourishing us. Um, That this salty, untamable sea that really isn't good for much other than, you know, transportation uh, or maybe going fishing now becomes this life-giving, refreshing water. Uh, It's such a cool idea. And that God can somehow put that much water into the rain clouds. And I can particularly relate to verse seven, where he says, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. Now I can relate to that because there's a phenomenon that happens every so often in San Diego called the red tide. And that's where, uh, the, there's um, plankton in the water and when the waves break, they move around and shake and they become, they glow. And what's cool is during the red tide, you can go to the beach with like a glass mason jar and dunk it in the water and fill it up and you can put the lid on it and screw it on. And then later when you're at home, when it's dark, you can take the jar and kind of shake it. And when you do that, it'll glow green. It's like super cool. You can take it home with you. Uh, And I don't know where I'm going with that, but I just thought it'd be cool to share because it's such a cool thing. I just did. I just did a Google search because, you know, that's my life. And uh, I just asked how much water is in a cloud and one one answer. And again, this isn't science. This is Google. But it said a big storm cloud could have over a million tons of water in it. Wait, one million tons? A million tons of water, yet it floats. How amazing is that? 
That's crazy. What? <laughs> That's so I, much I water. don't understand. Yeah, but it is. It's the way things are. Crazy times. All right. So verse eight, after we have our, our storm clouds or after we have our sea waters in jars uh, stored away in the clouds, we hear that um, all the earth or it's a command for all the earth to fear the Lord, all the people of the world to revere him. Um, and it's, and this is kind of interesting thought because sometimes we think it's only for the churches to fear the Lord and to revere. It's only for the churchy people to do that kind of a job, you know? And I think a lot of people that I've talked to, especially students, uh, who go to schools, um, around here, they sometimes feel like they're the only ones who go to church. They're the only ones to, who have the job of praising God and maybe it won't get done if they don't do it kind of a thing. Uh, but here we see that, that really the command is for all of the earth. Um, it's for everyone, everything to give God the glory. Yeah. And I, I think that's super great. And like you said, there's people that are worshiping the Lord, uh, everywhere on the earth, like all, all over. And one, one thing that I kind of like to think about and talk to middle schoolers about every so often is, uh, there's this thing called the, the revised common lectionary, which is a, basically the Bible spread out into verses and sections over the course of three years. And there's a lot of churches that will follow that almost to a T every single Sunday, there could be hundreds of churches preaching on the same passage all at the same time. And it's, and the, the unity in that, that we're all together in Christ uh, is a good thing to remember. That's not just us that's rejoicing or studying one specific scripture on a Sunday. It could be hundreds of thousands of other people, hundreds of other churches, all at different times that over the course of like a Saturday or a Sunday or whenever you have church, it could just be hundreds and hundreds of people all together in unity under one, uh, studying one verse. Yeah. And when you say, let all the earth, like it, it is all humans, but I'm reminded of, I went on this hike one time and I was in like the middle of Washington state and we were hiking out and our guide was like, Oh yeah, we're going to a 2000 year old cedar tree. And I was like, what? And then I started to kind of think about it more. And I was like, wait, this tree was like, it began growing like when Jesus was alive. That thought blew my mind and all creation was made. That's like their job is to worship God. And we don't think about that that often. And um, yeah, so just being in like the presence of this 2000 year old cedar tree. And I was like, this creation has been worshiping God since God was living on the earth. Like that is crazy to think about. Um, so it's like the verse of you, if you don't cry out, the rocks will. Um, and so I do, there is a responsibility of us to praise God and that's such a gift that we have, but also there's so much more praise that's just constantly humming along the surface of our earth. And I was talking about this, that, that same verse came up that even the rocks will cry out this morning. Uh, you know, we've been worshiping at home. My family will all go sit on the couch and in a chair and we will we'll worship together from that place. And my family consists of my wife and uh, myself, and then we have two boys, and then we also have a cat. And, uh, the ca- and also all of us were sitting on the, uh, on the couch, and the cat walked by, and someone said, oh, I guess the cat's not going to church today. And I said, well, that's because she's not a Christian. Our cat is, you know, I said, our cat's probably an atheist. And 
that I was kind of making a joke, but it turned out uh, becoming kind of a big, well, maybe a mini debate on uh, animals and faith and how does an animal revere the Lord? Like what would, how would an animal revere the Lord? And my whole thought is, well, a cat's brain probably isn't large enough to be able to conceptualize an abstract idea such as God. So we got like way off track talking about, uh, my, my kids were even bringing up different examples in the Bible of animals working towards God's purposes, uh, which is kind of a cool idea. And which actually gets into our next, um, verses talking about God's purposes. But it is interesting to see that if a cat is being a cat, right? Being who they were created to be, maybe that's a cat or a dog or whatever, or a tree or a rock even, um, by being what they are, they're worshiping the Lord. Uh, and, and that's when we think about that for us, by us truly being human, when we truly are the most human we can be, uh, there's an act of worship in that. Now that can take us into some weird territory, uh, where we're like, well, I don't even know, you know, what does it mean to be human? Uh, what does that look like? And that's why we go back to scripture so we can understand that better. We can have a better idea of what it truly means to be human. Um, verse 10 tells us the Lord foils or frustrates the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. So God is like getting in the way of, of our plans or the nation's plans, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. I think that's something that's so true right now, especially, and I think everyone in the past couple of months has experienced their plans and their purposes that they thought, like, I'm supposed to be doing this. They've seen those be kind of taken away or foiled or thwarted or whatever you want to call it. But I've heard someone say in a sermon before, Thanksgiving is based on you've experienced God's faithfulness in the past. And so you are thankful for what you know to be true, the faithfulness that you know to be true and the plans of the Lord that have come to be true in the past. And that's what the purposes of his heart through all generations are. So even when we in our present moment think, well, I didn't get to go on that trip. Like that sucks. Or I didn't get to do this. Like, that's a bummer. I thought I was supposed to be doing that. Like we can look back on how God's plans have stood firm, like even from the old Testament to now, like the plan of Jesus was started in the beginning and like that came to fruition and that's still happening. And, um, so his purposes are so much more eternal than ours could ever be. So verse 12 and 13 and 14 is there's just, and, and 15 is just so beautiful here, right? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, uh, the people he chose for his inheritance. So to be chosen by God, uh, is, is such an amazing blessing and then it gives us this like perspective of God, right? From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. And in my mind, we look like little ants walking around on the earth. But I don't think that's what, it, I don't really think that's what God sees. But, but you know, m my mind is limited. And so I think if God is up in heaven and he's looking down at the, uh, what are we at? Seven billion people, eight billion. I have no idea what our... Uh, what our global population is, but God looks down and he sees all mankind. Uh, he sees everyone. And how cool is that? Right. It's not God seeing, um, 
just one or two. It's not God seeing just the nation that he chose. He sees all mankind. And from his dwelling place, it says he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. God has created our very hearts. And he didn't just create the hearts of uh, churchy people. He didn't just create the hearts of quote-unquote good people. Uh, He didn't just create the hearts of um, the people that we like. He didn't just create the hearts of people who are in our families. He created the hearts of all. And he also sees everything that they do. And maybe that's comforting to you. Maybe that's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's terrifying. These four verses, I can like picture it as a piece of art. And I'm mm. no artist at all. I don't know the first. I don't even practically know how to hold a pencil for all I know. Uh, and, <laughs> I've seen and, you draw sometimes. And, yeah. I, I, everyone's seen me draw and everyone knows that I shouldn't. So there we go. <laughs> but if if you are an artist and we've challenged our listener, listeners before, draw this. Draw verses 12 through 15. I'd love to see yeah. it because I think it looks super cool. But what yeah. I really like about this passage and it doesn't make me terrified. It actually makes me mm. feel kind of happy and comforted is it says from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. And I'm confident that it's not one person at a time, right? It's mm. God is yeah. looking down and seeing everyone at the same exact time. So I never am questioning like, okay, waiting for, waiting for my turn that God's going to see me again because he's probably looking at other people. He's seeing all mankind all at once from his dwelling place, all who live on earth. And that's just like such a, for me, it's not terrifying for me. It's actually quite comforting. I have a note in my Bible. And by the way, if you have little notes in your Bible, um, sometimes it's good to be able to look those up. If you use a digital Bible, sometimes you can digitally look them up real quick. But uh, verse 14 it reminds me and it's pointing me towards Hebrews chapter four, verse 13. That says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that might sound a little bit scary, but the idea is like God's just like Pat saying, God sees it all. And something that I love about verse 15 is it's, and he uses active verbs. So it's like God, forms the hearts of all, but he doesn't just stop there. He continually considers everything that they do. So it's not like God creates us and then is like, okay, go live your life. I'll just be up here watching. But he's actively engaging with us still and engaging with the hearts that he made and still taking us into consideration and um, thinking of us and guiding us and leading us. So yeah, maybe a way that would be helpful for uh, someone to kind of think like, well, how would we say that would be like, well, he who forms and is forming the hearts of all who is considering or considers is currently considering everything they do. Um, which is, which is a great point. Thanks Morgan for bringing that out for us. Yeah. Now I just want to skip to the end verses 20 through 22. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help Hmm. and our shield in him. Our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. This is like a reminder for me that I need to continually put my trust in the Lord. I need to continually like uh, trust in his holy name. I need to trust that he is like my help and, you know, our shield. This is like a, 
this is like a prayer. This is going to be my prayer for the day. This particular verse, the idea of waiting for God, there, there's a, another Psalm, Psalm 27 at the end that tells us uh, to wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. And then it says, and wait for the Lord. It's just like double waiting for the Lord. And I think patience today and waiting uh, is something that we're just not really that great at. Uh, and I know I'm not great at it. Um, I've, I've tried to develop that skill. Uh, but when we're thinking about God, someone who's able to put the sea into a jar, who has all this power, um, who could, you know, kind of do the whole Thanos snap and uh, take care of everything uh, for us, you think of, of God, God has us wait. And what's the purpose of that? Why would God have us wait? What is happening? And and I, I tend to just think, well, God is forming us for something. And and so it's for us to not necessarily know the answer of why we're waiting, but to be people of hope in the midst of waiting. Throughout this verse, we see this word that keeps coming up and, and um, it's it's hesed. It's, it's this, uh, in Hebrew, it's this idea of God having this loyalty, this faithfulness that extends throughout time. So in as much as we wait for God, God's love is kind of this counterbalance that is waiting for us in as much, uh, with as much and more patience as we have for God. God's love uh, lasts and is, it's unfailing. It's forever. Um, it is just as faithful as, uh, as we have to be patient, if that makes sense. So anyway, that's, that's all we have for this verse, uh, Psalm 33. We had to skip a little bit in the middle. However, that's okay. Um, feel free to look at those parts on your own. And also if you did make a picture, uh, of part of this verse, make sure to send that in. We would love to see it. And we will see you guys later for another Devo.